touch them, Lord God. Touch all these needs. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Oh, God, we worship Hallelujah. Come on, let's put our hands together and let's thank God today. Amen, amen. I can tell you that I'm excited already, number one. Uh, I had more than four hours sleep last night. That's a great thing for me. Amen. So I'm ready to go. Amen. But it's good to have already 45 here in the house of the Lord. That's great. I'm telling you, we've been scratching that for the last several months because of sickness. Amen. And I, I heard the birds singing. I saw a little fog in the air. That's a good sign that spring is on its way. Amen. We're in March. It's Easter month. We've got a lot of things happening. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. So we ought to just let loose with our worship, let loose with our praise, and let Him know. Come on, one more time. Let's put our hands together. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Sunday school is being dismissed right now. God bless all of our Sunday school teachers and helpers. Amen. They are awesome. Amen. And the kids, there is a youth class. Yes, the Barclays are not here. Brother Long and Sister Long are going to be teaching that class today. Amen. In the meantime, you that are in the adult class, you know the routine. Come on, find somebody or turn around. Say hello, wave at them, smile. You got to smile. If you don't smile, none of, the, none of the things you say count. Amen. Amen. And of course, then you can be seated. <clears throat> amen. Amen. Brother Jonathan, yes, looks like you're already doing that. We are in this mini-series of ours called Favor. Favor being every letter of favor is a characteristic that gets God's attention so that he might give us favor. The first one, we talked about faithfulness. Last week, my wife taught about availability. And today, I'm going to speak today about the V, and it is vehement or vehemence. Bible says in Revelations chapter 3, 14 through 16, Amen. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. If I could put it in Steve ease, what he's saying is that you're vanilla, you're wishy-washy, you're Charlie Brown, you're not this or that, you're just, just. It's a spiritual thing as well. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. Now, isn't this interesting paradigm to get started on in this lesson? Number one, he'd rather you be hot, vehement, 
He would rather you be ice cold so that God can move on you. But when you're lukewarm, you're just enough, you're comfort-wise, to where you think that you're just enough saved, but it's good enough to be saved. Being lukewarm is an interesting thing. I understand. I've never done this. I would have never done this either. But they say, how do you boil a living frog? You put them in cold water, and you slowly turn up the heat, and eventually, gradually, you get it to a boil, and the frog dies, not knowing that he's in the process of dying. But it's always, I'm told, during that time, the lukewarmness is when the frog feels the most comfortable enough to swim around in the water. Because he's like, I found my perfect spot. I'm not talking about frogs today, brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the danger of being lukewarm, being in a place spiritually. I'm going to tell you, the hardest people to win are non-apostolic Christians. And the hardest people, Sister Cooper, to really minister to is apostolic Christians that's been around and they know just when to lift their hands just enough I need an amen and a hallelujah up in this place. I know you're with me. They're the hardest people to win or convert or get motivated. Brothers and sisters, today it's important that we, even when things are dark, it's easy. Human nature says when things are fighting against us through our trials and tribulations that we tend to let down. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's normal. It's natural. But our goal, what the Holy Ghost wants us to be, is really hot, vehement. We've established the first two lessons about what I said, faithfulness and availability. These two things are the things uh, not by themselves, but does get God's attention. Somebody that is vehement in their living for God gets God's attention. We've established these attributes of bringing God's favor. How many wants God's favor in your life? Well, come on. We all do. So we want these things that we've already learned about faithfulness and availability, but today we need to look about how that we can obtain the favor of the Lord through vehemence or being vehement in your living. Let me go ahead and give you the definition of vehemence or vehement and what it means in a practical way. Vehement means marked by forceful energy. Second, powerful, intensely emotional. Third, impassioned. This is according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Being vehement brings the favor of God in and on our lives. In Revelations chapter 3, the text that we read, that hot means boiling hot or fervent. The cold, we can figure it out for ourselves. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, that hot is talking. The scripture overall is what we've already said. It's talking about a spiritual concept. So I want to bring about the first practical definition 
and how we apply it. Number one, vehemence means marked by forceful energy. It's powerful. Acts chapter 1 and 8, let me give it to you. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Power here means in the Greek, it's called dynamis or dunamis. We derive the word, this word, from this Greek word, dunamis or dynamis. You can get it, dynamite. So when the writer was talking, you shall receive power. In the Greek translation, he's saying, but ye shall receive dynamite after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You want to talk about forceful energy. How about some spiritual dynamite in the middle of somebody that's willing to throw some Holy Ghost vehement apostolic that says, I'm tired of messing with the situation. I'm going to pray and throw some spiritual dynamite in the middle of it and watch what the Holy Ghost will do. I'm telling you, just as dynamite is explosive in the natural, that Holy Ghost is just as explosive as it is in the spiritual. I say again, the Holy Ghost is that forceful energy. John chapter 16 and 13. Jesus said, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. I say again, this forceful energy leads you into not just some truth, but it leads you into all truth. You've received the genuine, authentic Holy Ghost. Then the Bible tells us, Jesus said it, that the Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. Does that talk about gospel truth? Yes. But does it talk about gospel truth by itself? No. It's talking about all truth. What do you mean by all truth? I will say this just in your easy application. If you need to understand what you ought to do about things, about a job, about a direction, about a purchase, I'm not talking about a shirt, I'm talking about a major purchase like a car and a home and all of these kinds of things. If you want to know a little bit more about Scripture, what do you do? I've already told you. You pray about it, and you introduce some dunamis into the situation, and the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will lead you into truth. It will show you what to do. Now, I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to tell you as your pastor, I'm telling you that is the truth. You want to want, and I, and I appreciate this because I have tried to live by it myself. I'm a person who is a thinker. I know you, you know me as the outward. I'm, I'm uh, those people that I can speak it, and I can. I can turn it on whenever. But most of all, if you catch me by myself, I'm, I'm thinking about things. I'm an inward person. I am considering 
a lot of times scripture. When I hear somebody teach or preach, I'm considering the truth of the matter. And I'm going to tell you what I'm doing is I'm throwing it up against the wall of truth, the Holy Ghost. And I'm letting the Holy Ghost just teach me. That's, that's good. That's right. And it confirms. So whenever, can I just say this, not in my notes? If something's ever set up here and something hits you a little bit wrong, and I'm not talking about as far as helping us, because sometimes the word does do that. Sometimes it does stomp on your toe a little bit. But when it hits your spirit and you go, mm, I, don't, I don't think that feels, you know what you do? You ought to pray about it. I've been in Bible studies many times that I've had people say, I don't understand this. I say, you have the Holy Ghost. Yes, yes, that's good. That's okay. So let me give you scriptures, and I'll teach, and then I'll say, you pray about it. Like those old school people that I thought that I'd never, old school men of God that I said, I'm going to have a lot more than what they'll have. You've heard that story. And I said, just pray about it. Well, just pray about it. The Holy Ghost will show you. And it'll give you a direction. I can't tell you how many times I've said, Lord, what do, I, what do you want me to do right here? And I'll have the Holy Ghost. It doesn't speak to me audibly. But I'll feel the impression. And you felt it if you've had the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm talking about. You feel that, that direction. What I'm talking about with all truth, I'm talking about in every facet of your life, when you have this forceful energy... This Holy Ghost in your life, it will guide you into all paths of truth. The truthful way to walk. The right and correct path to walk. Does that make sense? Because God's not going to leave you and I in the dark. The forceful energy that happens when you receive the Holy Ghost is not by itself the characteristic of it, but it is another characteristic of the Holy Ghost. But I'd like to tell you, what else vehemence brings in the Spirit? Psalms 119.105, it brings us light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 1 and 8 says, John called him, him Jesus, being that light that came into the world. John 9 and 5 said, Jesus said it, I am the light of the world. And he also declared Matthew 5 and 14. And he was expounding on the thought about being his children. Therefore, we are the light of the world. The way that we become light in this world is through receiving that forceful energy. There is a lot of talk, and it's really the main thought that this world's culture is trying to shackle the rest of the world with. And it's about usable energy. Now, without getting into all that, it boils down to who holds energy. Who controls energy? I believe it's the same in the spirit. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can climate change and all of that, oil reserve, all of this stuff. It's all about energy. 
This is not a political thing, please, by the way. But in the spirit, what the enemy's trying to do within the church is that he would like to control our energy, our spiritual, forceful vehemence when we worship, when we live for God. Come on, am I making sense? When we have this Holy Ghost, he wants to control the Holy Ghost in our life. He doesn't care if you came here today. Honestly. Now, if he could have stopped you at the door, he would have. But now that you're here, he's still, you and I are still being tested. Aren't we? Are you going to worship? Are you going to get behind the word? Are you going to find somebody to pray with? Are you going to be invested? It's all about him trying to control energy. He wants to control and tamp down. He wants to turn things into a lukewarm setting in the church. He would rather you be, because he's not afraid of you and me when we do this. When we're okay with having some sin in our life, with having some form of the world around us, but it's not in us, Pastor. What happens? Test it. I think you already know. Get that tall glass of soda that you like. We say pop around here in India. I say soda. I won't embrace that redneck Hoosier still, even though I'm born and raised here. No, go ahead. That's all right. Get that tall whatever. And put some ice in it. Put some ice-cold lemonade. You're not an ice person, is that what it is? Okay, you're fighting me about nothing here. Stick, get with me, Mr. Cooper. Put whatever it is. And whenever you introduce something that doesn't have to be cold in there, even if it is cold, you can pull it out of the refrigerator, Brother Tiki, you can pour it in there. That turns lukewarm quickly, even in ice. And it's the ice property, this is science, it'll keep the drink cold. Now, I don't want to confuse you on simplistic things, but let's be honest. You can put anything in ice, and it'll sit there, and it will be influenced by the coldness. Much like when you put, sister, I've been seeing you rubbing him, he's going to sleep on you, I'm just telling you. I'm just, I told you, I had some sleep last night. I'm awake. I am awake. Just like you'd put something in the microwave. You can microwave it just long enough, Sister Alex, and it'll only heat the top. Sometimes you've got to stir it up to get it in the middle, right? So what am I saying? I'm saying if you put something in cold, if you surround something that's hot with cold, eventually that that is hot will turn lukewarm. So in the spiritual application, I went a long way just to bring this analogy out, but let's be honest, we surround ourselves with whole cold things, spiritually, and we'll leave here, and the Holy Ghost will be moving, and we'll leave here, and it won't be too long to where our hotness is turned into lukewarmness in the Spirit. And we go, Lord, man, that just didn't, that didn't last a long time, that spiritual move. 
What we need to do is that we need to stop allowing the cold things and the spirit around in our lives that tamps the heat of the vehemence and that forceful energy of the Holy Ghost in our life so that we might stay hotter longer. Energy. That makes sense. So brothers and sisters, today... We need, it's the same thing with light. If we turn off all the lights and it was dark, I put in a searchlight in here, this whole place would be lit up. But as we diminish the light, the darkness grows. If the light of the church is diminished, the darkness grows. The way we become light of the world is through receiving this forceful energy on a regular basis. That's why we say you ought to pray every day. It's a good thing. Because it allows him to shine through us. Isaiah 60 and 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon who? The people of God. And his glory shall be seen upon who? The people of God. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. In other words, no matter how great the darkness is in the world today, if we have the light of the Holy Ghost, the Gentiles, those that are unbelievers, are going to see it on us. And the kings and all of those are going to recognize that something that we have is greater than the darkness. Talk about vehemence. That's how we should live. That's why I can't stand it. And I just want to go ahead and say this just for the record. As the pastor, I'm tired of people being on their cell phones and looking at Facebook and playing goofy games and checking LinkedIn and all this other stuff, why you should be in a place that you're getting plugged into the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, thank you, Pastor Dunn. Back to teaching, back to live action. You know why? Because it's that important. Because we don't know what we're going to face. We don't know what we're going home to. We don't know what... If you're good, great, but you don't know what somebody else is across the aisle is going through. And they may need your light. And you know what? I love them enough to where I'm going to get plugged in, and if it's not for me, then let it be for them. You know why? Because that's how we have to be. And if you want to win your neighbors, if you want to win your friends, you want to see people converted like we, see, like we have been told that it's going to happen, this great last day revival, then what it's going to take is for us to let the light shine from us. <clears throat> Second definition of vehemence, it's intentionally, pardon me, Intensely emotional, impassioned. The first point we made was that the Holy Ghost is forceful energy. Now, I wish that I could do this. When people make me mad, the first inclination is get ready. 
But the right one right behind that is Holy Ghost. I wish I could just grab it and throw it on people. They'd be talking about this, about that. And you're going, God, how long? If you could just give it to me just for one second, I'm going to wreck this whole neighborhood. People are going to come. I know I'm being silly, but man, do I wish I could give people the Holy Ghost. Not because of what it can do, because all the, pardon me, yappity yap about how bad their life is. And I try to tell them, what you need is the Holy Ghost. What you need, I, I cannot manufacture the Holy Ghost. No, I can't equal it in any kind of way. The world has tried, the enemy has tried to present weak, shallow examples of the Holy Ghost. But listen, it's a God thing when the Holy Ghost comes. That's why we have to embrace that when the God thing happens, it's more than just saying, I embrace Him as my Lord and Savior. Because that's easy, and I just said it. When the Holy Ghost comes, brothers and sisters, come on, you that have it, you remember it changed us. It made us say, I don't want to live this way. I want to live higher right. than what I'm doing. That is a good sign that the Holy Ghost is in your life. When you say, I don't even understand it completely, but I'm going to do what I feel like I want to do in the Spirit. You know why? Because there's a burden, a, a burgeoning, a growing vehemence that's happening in your life. Being intentionally emotional about nothing is just that, a bunch of noise. But being intentionally emotional about truth and the Spirit, Romans 1, 16 and 17, here's what that writer was saying. Paul said, now remember, this is a dude that's already lived out a lot of his life. He was the guy that was the negative, and then he lived in the positive. And right at the end of his missionary, his ministry of service, he says, for I am not ashamed. When everybody, his contemporaries were being killed, when churches would be on fire and they would lose the fire, Paul said in the midst of all that, you all can, it's almost as if I could add this, you all can if you want, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul's former zeal had been to destroy Christians, but after getting knocked off literally his high horse, on the road to Damascus, literally, figuratively, Paul took on a new passion. Philippians chapter 3, 3 through 11 says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, 
than I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisees, telling about his past life, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I did all that right. I lived according to the law. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. In other words, when he came, all of that was just a bunch of junk that I did and that I was delivered from. For he said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's big words right then because not everybody believed Christ Jesus was the Lord. And this man who was known in powerful circles among the Jewish Sanhedrin, he said, I know you struggle with it, but baby, I know who Jesus is. And what? Nine? And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Ready? And all of that, that I, verse 10, may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable. That's conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Brothers and sisters, to have vehemence, to be vehement in the spirit according to what we've learned as the definition, the old you must die. All of the zeal, all the things that we once used to do before the Holy Ghost came, it really, by and large, if it's anywhere near sin, it should be dead or dying. Now that's very powerful when you think about it. What we should now do is that we need to take on an impassioned zeal for what the Holy Ghost wants us to do. In other words, instead of sleeping in, this is an easy application. Wanting, desiring, I gotta be in the house of God. Instead of going shopping, not that shopping is bad, or golfing, not that golfing is bad, whatever. That is not your primary reason for living. As a Christian, as an apostolic, full of the Holy Ghost, your primary reason for living. And I'm telling you this we're not talking about living for God. That goes without saying. But our primary mission is the Great Commission. It goes without saying that we should embrace and do whatever we can to be saved. But that's not, we're not called to be saved of ourselves. We're called to reach others. So what am I saying? I'm saying our former zeals, the former things that really dominated our life, I'm not saying that they're bad, some of us. But I'm saying, by and large, if they're sinful and they take away from the Great Commission the primary zeal that should be happening in every apostolic person's life, that primary zeal of converting others and winning people and telling them about the goodness of the Lord, then I'm telling you what, we're not vehement.
and we won't get God's favor. Because God, like what a good boss would do, a good overseer would do, they would honor and bless the things they want to see. As parents, don't, isn't that what we not do? We want, we, we, what's the word? We, we, we support, we strengthen what we see our kids do that are good. And what do they do when they do bad? Oh, I'm sorry. You take away their iPad. That's all right. That works too. That works heavy in the gossip household. But by and large, our zeal is to win people. And what God does, he'll bring somebody in front of you. And they'll talk to you in Walmart. And they'll say, oh, tell me a little bit about why you're so happy. I'm glad to tell you. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm closing. Charles Peace was a notorious criminal in England. He was executed on February 25th, 1879, just before his execution, an Anglican minister half-heartedly read to him from the consolations of religion, not even the Bible. <coughs> he said, <coughs> those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. Charles Peace stopped the minister and said, Sir, if I would have believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would have walked over it, if need be, on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Brothers and sisters, that's why we need to be impassioned. That's why we need to be vehement. Because there are people, the stakes are great. There are people dying today. Let's be honest. As the older we get, the more surprised we hear of somebody, a contemporary, that would die suddenly. Things happen. People are dying every day, and they're going to a devil's hell. We need to be impassioned. I've run out of time, but let me read this very quickly. The third definition is that we need to be boiling hot, fervent. Leviticus 6 and 13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out, Leviticus 6 and 13. You see, the priests were commanded to keep the fire going on the altar all the time. We need to keep our relationship with God on fire, hot all the time. Don't ever let the fire of the Holy Ghost go out in your life. This fire upon the altar was started by God, but after that it had to be maintained by the priests daily. Did you hear what I said? The fire that was on the altar came from God. But God didn't continue the fire. It was upon the priest to keep the fire burning. I heard, read one commentary stated that hot in Revelations 3 can mean hot as in boiling of liquids or melting of solids. I don't know. The hot that I'm talking about is intensely hot. It's being hot for God. Stand with me. So how that we 
need to be when we are hot in the Holy Ghost? When a false doctrine tries to reinforce itself in our midst, it burns up and it doesn't stick. Because you know there's no neutral ground. I'm telling you, when you have the Holy Ghost, it will tell you what you're hearing is either truth or it's not. And you'll go, I don't even listen to this junk. Old preacher said, you can't ride the fence and expect to have the best of both worlds. Because all you get what the fence will give you. Sorry for the word picture. But I'm telling you, Jesus' words to the Laodiceans, he was telling them, it's wrong, you're wrong. You're wrong for desiring and accepting lukewarmness. Moses called for decision. And he said in Deuteronomy eleven twenty six, he said, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Joshua called for decision. Joshua 24 and 15 said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Elijah called for decision. 1 Kings 18, 21, he said, how long will you falter? Between two opinions, Jesus and his word was asking for a decision, and it's full of it. Luke 16 and 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll else, else hold to the one and despise the other. Can't serve God and mammon. And mammon's not the devil, it's flesh. Can't serve what you want to do. So vehemence, as I close this lesson, if you want the favor of God, you've got to get passionate. We need to get on fire with God and for God. If you've received the Holy Ghost, you need to get that forceful energy working in your life. I'm telling you, you'll do things that you thought you'd never do and that you discount and pull yourself out of. I'm not going to do it because I can't. When you're full of the Holy Ghost and on fire, You'll do it, and you'll go at, when it's done, go, wow, did I do that? Because that's what the whole, it emboldens you like a lion. I close with this. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, the virtue knowledge, and the knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brother kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling an election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to be vehement, impassioned, fervent. You want the favor of God? Because every one of us does. Then you, you need to do the V as well. You need to be faithful. You need to be available, and you need to be vehement. Come on, lift your hands right now and say, Lord, help me. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. Let me be on fire for you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I need you, God. Let me be on fire. Let me be passionate and in passion. Let me be fervent in the Holy Ghost, oh God. In the name of Jesus, come on, come on, lift up your voice. Say, God, help me. Lord, I've allowed myself to be lukewarm for so long, God. I want to be on fire in the name of Jesus. Lord, I need you 
in Jesus' name. Amen.